Okay, we're live here. Uh, sorry about a couple false starts there, but uh, we are uh, up and running, and uh, we also don't have our uh, normal intro. For some reason, it is not on my computer, we just noticed. So, uh, James, let's do kind of a, uh, our own little intro show here for a while. Yeah, you know. We got pictures, everyone cross here. We'll, we'll get, like, helmets going across. It'll be great. Dancing players. I got a CISO. We got Union and RPI and Union and Coffee. RPI. Yes. Uh, I, I have a Wesley hat, but I don't think that'd be pretty appropriate right now. So we'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. JB, uh, so our uh, live show here, which I believe is being simulcast right now live on Twitter as well. You might want to check that and uh, see uh-huh. what's happening on my handle, actually. But uh, we are going to uh, go over the, be- the best week five games, he said. Imagine that. And uh, there are plenty of them uh, to go over across the uh, country. But I I think we want to focus in a little bit on Region 2 for a little bit uh, because uh, that seems to be uh, where a lot of the questions uh, emanate from with a lot of teams that seem to be doing great, but they haven't really faced each other yet. And so, you know, Liberty Liberty League handled... Empire 8 teams. We know that uh, pretty well, and mm-hmm. everybody else on their schedule for that matter. Now we've got four teams really in a legitimate fight inside the Liberty League, and two of them will yeah. match up this weekend. I'm not sure if I'm going to actually be at that game. Uh, we planned on that, but we're still waiting yeah. for some restriction uh, words here from our friends over at Ithaca. So uh, Hobart at Ithaca... Talk about that game a little bit. I wanted to ask you something else, uh, and we've got some questions we're going to be answering in this uh, episode as well. Yep. I know uh, you sent me a bunch, so uh, pepper us with those as you see fit. But uh, first, you are the guy that writes for uh, the Hobart uh, blog, as many people know. Tell us about Hobart at Ithaca and what to expect in that game. Well, uh, both teams have a very similar defensive stats. I think... Um, Ithaca currently is allowing 9.3 points per game. Hobart's allowing 9.5 points per game. Um, defensively, as far as like rushing yards allowed and uh, so on and so forth, pretty similar statistics. Um, Ithaca's defense is allowing a little more passing yards, and I think that was mostly due to that uh, Bridgewater State game. Um, but for the most part, both teams very strong uh, defensively. There's some question marks around whether or not Hobart All-American and fifth-year senior Emmett Ford's shoulder is going to be in good enough condition to play. Starting middle linebacker um, Brian Aguilar is also uh, kind of questionable with a with a turf toe injury. Um, so if neither one of those guys can go, maybe it changes some things a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, Ithaca offensively is, is probably – the favorite, at least through the air, uh, AJ Wingfield, their quarterback is, is currently ranked top in the, in the Liberty league, as far as, you know, passing yards, I think efficiency, um, touchdowns, et cetera. Um, David Cruson, uh, the quarterback for Hobart is kind of the X factor because he hasn't had to throw the ball too much in, in, in the, in the games that Hobart has won. And, um, I just, you know, found out this week, apparently Hobart is ranked first in the nation. They're tied with W and L, uh, for the most rushing touchdowns in Division Three, with 19 over the first four games. So that's almost five rushing touchdowns a game. So needless to say, Frank, if you end up going to that Ithaca-Hobart game, you should probably expect to see probably a 
70 30 run to pass ratio from Hobart. Um, they will need to probably pass the ball a little more than they're used to given the strength of the Ithaca defense. There's going to probably be some third and long possible situations where Cruson's going to have to drop back and maybe, you know, leverage his tight ends if the wide receiver core, which is still pretty green, um, isn't, isn't going to be able to step up. So should be a, a kind of a low scoring, um, you know, just a crunch bash and, and crash style of football game. Okay, uh, you know, we used to be a Liberty League show, so let, let's continue in this uh, kind of uh, zone here. Rochester RPI, uh, I, I haven't received my band notice yet from RPI, so uh, at least there's... Yeah, uh, well, you know, they, they gave you a hat and a, or a visor, sorry, and some other, and other swag. And, you know, I think I think the, the, the players and the families, and probably even though they're not allowed to say it, the coaching staff it all appreciates some of the stuff that you're, you're saying to try to get... Some stands into the fans and under some, you know, we're not saying to, some fans you know, is throw caution. I think you mean <laughs> right, exactly. You know, just, we're not saying to throw caution to the wind per se, but when you have a five thousand plus seat uh, stadium, you can socially distance. There are precautions you can put into place that allows people to cheer on their kids, to um, you know, be with their families. Come on, let's just let's just be practical. Let's be realistic. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the game. Let's talk about that though. Let, let's focus on football for this show. Uh, Rochester mm-hmm. comes in. Uh, we had heard from our uh, uh, Drew Saxton uh, quarterback, uh, CWRU guest, uh, how improved he thought they were uh, in a game that was mm-hmm. a little closer than we assumed uh, between Rochester and Case. But RPI's been kind of uh, after two close calls uh, and then a, a more distant game between RPI. They blew the doors off uh, St. John Fisher. I don't think that's an yeah. overstatement by any stretch of the imagination. So ultimately, you know, is RPI going to just roll over Rochester, or do you think Rochester's got a good chance here? You know, I think you know, I think Coach Chad has really done a nice job um, building that program back up, and and this would probably be one of those situations where the extra time was beneficial uh, for him and his coaching staff to to get that roster size back up to be able to recruit nationally. That was part of the reason why they brought him over from MIT. He has a national reputation at the, at the D3 level for uh, recruiting at, you know, high, um, high level academic institutions. So, uh, you know, I think Rochester is going to give him a good run for their money. They gave Brockport uh, a pretty close call um, just a couple weeks ago. So I, I don't think you can sleep on the yellow jackets at all this season. Okay, let's kind of uh, complete a little bit of the fearsome foursome up top uh, right now. Although St. Lawrence is probably going to send me a nasty uh, note, uh, Puck. Uh, we're not yeah. ignoring you. Trust me here. But uh, there's yeah, yeah. that Union-Buffalo State game. Now, Union's had an interesting season when you really look at it. Their first two opponents, I would think uh, most people would agree, not the strongest out there, Morrisville State, Worcester State. Okay. Um, rolled over both of them. Then they take on Springfield in what we know to be a close game, uh, to put it lightly. It went down to the wire, essentially. Colin Lama running still, I think, around the track right now at Union College after that interception that he achieved. And then on top of that, the Utica game, though the score looks pretty convincing at 30-9, to I think it was, last week, it was 14-9 to going into the fourth quarter. If you had the opportunity to talk to Coach Jeff Behrman at Union College, what would you say to him right now about what your views are about that team, how they're doing, what they need to do in a game like Buffalo State, a team that's 
struggled. We saw a, a decent effort against Fisher in week one when I uh, went out there to see them, uh, at least for the uh, fourth quarter. And then everything seemed to fall apart since that point. What would you say? Well, I mean, you know, Union has a, a lot of talent across the board, and it's been interesting to see some of these younger guys like Tolbert and Fiore emerge as, you know, plug-and-play uh, type of <laughs> type of guys when even if Ross or, or Irabor isn't 100%, they can just – I mean, the, the next man up mantra seems to be um, true there, and, and you really have to give Coach Behrman a lot of credit with the uh, talent and the depth that he has been able to recruit up there in Schenectady. So, you know, I think Union, uh, they you know, they know um, what they're – their game plan is they they will not take um, you know Buffalo State lightly. They they do have a, a strong you know quarterback receiver tandem, um, and that's something that they'll you know obviously look to try to shut down. And then I think Union will just keep playing um, you know you know Dutchman football. Uh, you know we we saw uh, Will Bellamy you know, throw a couple of interceptions last weekend. You know I'm sure. He, that's something that he worked on in practice to, you know, try, try to eliminate that. And, you know, I, you know I'm guessing he's probably going to have a four or five touchdown game this Saturday. Sounds about right, uh, if I had to guess. Uh, so we'll talk more about that game in a little bit, actually. Uh, there's a reason I want to bring it back up. There's some uh, stuff going on uh, surrounding that uh, in the show, especially. So uh, we'll go to that. Yeah, but don't worry about it. It's it's nothing you got to worry about. So uh, let's go to our key week five games. I'll let you take us uh, through them here and uh, some some good stuff. I think here. Uh, go ahead. I think there may be one thing missing though, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in a moment. So here are the key week five games. JB. Yeah. So you know the the MAC is is getting underway. Lyco had a big win um, this past weekend, and they're going to try and and challenge Del Val um, for the the top of the heap. There uh, should be an interesting matchup there. We haven't seen the Aggies really blow anybody away. Their defense has been you know, keeping the scores down, but as you mentioned in a prior broadcast, Frank the uh, Del Val isn't going to be one of those teams that's going to run the score up. They just kind of keep their um, offense at a pretty even keel, and you know they score anywhere from 24 to 30 points a game, and that's that's good enough with that defense. Um, Salve Western New England, potentially a de facto CCC Pool A uh, title type of game in the in the mix here. Salve has not um, been able to beat the Golden Bears for almost a decade now, so a win there would be really huge. Uh, for the Seahawks and kind of announce a potential sort of new king of New England if that happens. And then um, down in Connecticut, my, uh, my home state there on the, on the sound, uh, Norwich versus Coast Guard for the mug. It's, it's, it is the little Army-Navy game. Sometimes the uh, Secretary's Cup overshadows that, but it is, this is a, a true military you know, school type of, um, type of rivalry trophy game. So that's exciting. We've touched on uh, Hobart and Ithaca to a certain well, extent. Well, hold, Salisbury on. Mon- hold, hold on. Uh, you know, you, you give me the hook already. Sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, um, you, you've given your two cents already on this game, and I think it's yep. uh, it's time that somebody else gives a, f- a little bit of uh, say on this game, don't you think? Oh boy, what? What's wrong? Uh, What's you going have an on issue here? with somebody else giving some say on this game? I, I mean, yeah. let's talk to Jeff Behrman, uh, Union College head coach, and see what he has to say about oh, hey. this Hobart <laughs> Ithaca game. <laughs> He's got his own game. We're going to talk about better. in a second. 
He would know better than I would. He actually would understand the film and what's going on. So it's, that, it's a good idea that you brought in this subject matter expert and not listen to some goofball like me. Yeah, well, everybody loves the goofball in you. Trust me, I get enough questions. Where's JB across the country, including at Union College when I go there? Coach, uh, we'll talk about your game in a second, but you look at that Hobart-Ithaca game, and uh, I think we've been waiting for these matchups to begin in the, in the Liberty League. We see it number seven in the new rankings in D3Football.com. Uh, Greg Thomas did a great job with those rankings. This league's getting a lot of national notice right now, and that's a big game. Uh, do you have any insight for us as we have to pick that game later in the show? Well, hey, great to see you both. Uh, JB, a little surprise there for you. Frank uh, Frank reached out yesterday. Uh, I, I'm ah, not sure how much okay. of an expert I am. Not sure how much of an expert I am, but uh, no, I, you know, just to, to, to comment on, I think the league as a whole, um, really exciting. I think it's uh, it's a... Uh, it's a testament to the to the to the coaches in the league and, and the players in the league. I, I think it's uh, it's been really really strong um, with the sense of uh, you know some some really good recruiting out there going on and uh, some really good coaching and, and the players are executing. So um, you know excited to uh, you know obviously aware of what's going on within the league. We just finished uh, non-conference games. Um, I'll be honest with both of you. I have not watched a snap of Ithaca. I have not watched a snap, a snap of Hobart. Uh, just based on we're we're just focusing on the the game at hand, the task at hand, so to speak. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that uh, it's going to be a great game. I don't even know where it's at. Is it? Uh, I, I couldn't <laughs> even tell you where it's at. At Ithaca. On it's, at, at Ithaca it's at Ithaca. It's at Yes. Yeah, but so, for Hobart yeah. has not been a good place. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a tough place to play, as we all know. You know, very tough place yeah. to play. You know, I, I think uh, Dan's done a great job at Ithaca. I know he's, he's going to have his team ready. And, and likewise, I, I think Kevin and his staff have, have done a terrific job over the years and, and uh, you know, specifically focusing right now on this year. Um, I know they're they're both undefeated right now and, and uh, should be a great early game uh, in league play. Absolutely. Well, uh, the good news, the good news uh, he tried to say here in this live show is that uh, basically Coach, I think, is aware that that Springfield game, too close for comfort that Union had. The Utica game, they hung around way too long. It's, I think the Union team in the third quarter may have gone out for some Utica greens, came back and uh, finally started scoring again. Andre Ross Jr. and company uh, getting things uh, back underway in the fourth quarter. But Coach... Got to be a little frustrating. You've been facing some injuries, obviously. Uh, I know that uh, Erebor and Ross were kind of either uh, fully out or partially out in uh, the Springfield game. That surprised a lot of people. But uh, Ross was back definitely in the last game. Didn't see if Erebor was in that box score. But now, as you head toward Buffalo State, what is the condition of your team? And how how do you think your team matches up against the Bengals? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I try not to look back too far, you know, always trying to focus forward as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I'll just comment here, you know, there's a lot of good football teams out there in the country right now. And, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of coaching and, and, and players um, at the division three level, I, I think it's a, it's at a high level right now um, across the board. And, you know, Mike Sarasula does an unbelievable job with his staff. Uh, that's a good football team and a good football program at, at Springfield. So, you know, that, that, that did not surprise me, to be honest with you. And, and uh, same with uh, Blades, Faggiano and his staff at Utica. I mean, that's, uh, 
they're playing at home. They're playing on homecoming. And, uh, you know, they they, uh, they got a lot of good players on that team, and, and they do a great job coaching those players up. So, um, you know, it's not easy to win. I think any coach that you talk to is going to tell you that. And, uh, you know, you, you got to – you got to fight through the injuries, which we have had, certainly. Um, and we continue to fight through the injuries right now. Um, but, you know, you know, I said to the staff uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, you know, so-and-so wasn't, didn't feel sorry. We didn't feel sorry for so-and-so when they lost their first-string quarterback or their second-string quarterback. No one's feeling sorry for us right now. So, uh, yeah. you know, next man up. And, and I know it's kind of cliche, but – it's true. You know, the game doesn't stop because you have some injuries. You have to you have to do your job as a coach to, to put other players in positions to make plays. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in terms of going into Buffalo State, I mean, you look at you're playing on the road, you're traveling. The, 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 the biggest distance we'll travel this year going to Buffalo State. It is their homecoming. Uh, when you look at they're the one game that they played at home against St. John Fisher, it was a tight game uh, up through the fourth quarter. So, you know, they certainly um, play well at home. Um, I know two years ago when we went out there, they played well at home as well. You know, so we're expecting, you know, a, a very challenging game right now. It's uh, We don't look at the records. You know, you, you can't do that. You can't look at this score and that score. I know people want to do that, but um, I look at, uh, you know, I look at, at that one game and, and we have to do and what we need to do to, to, to come out on top. Coach, this, uh, this fall season is obviously, you know, pretty unique in the grand scheme of things. When you think about what we went through over the last 18 months and, um, you know, 2019, you guys were in a similar position, you know, going into this week, uh, you know, undefeated and, and it led to a great, you know, uh, 2019 season, but what, what from your perspective have been some of the, you know, the biggest similarities and differences? I mean, the differences, I think we kind of know <laughs> off the top of our head, but are you starting to feel like a little bit of a return to normal, um, you know, now going into the fifth week of, of this fall season, or is there's, there's still a little bit of the, you know, what, what happened in 2020 still kind of overshadowing things to a certain extent? I, I, honestly, uh, it, it, for me, it's uh, it's business as usual. To be honest with you, you know, you you control what you can control. It's something we preach all the time to our guys. And look, if they ask us to wear a mask inside, we wear a mask inside. If they ask us to wear a mask on a bus, we wear a mask on a bus. So um, those parts are just kind of like okay, that's what we have to do to to have a season and to play football games and to be able to compete on Saturday. Then we're going to do it. That's fine. So I guess that's probably really the only difference. I mean. We're in classes where we go to practice, we go to meetings, uh, you know, the, the weeks are the same right now. And, and, and that's what you embrace as you get into the season. Um, so in, in terms of that, honestly, JB, it's it's for me, again, as I said, business as usual um, hasn't been that many differences. I, I guess from a coaching perspective, the biggest difference is how much youth you have on your roster right now. You know, when you're talking about the sophomores in the first years that, really haven't experienced school with an actual football season. Um, so, you know, we're, we're staying and focusing on those two classes specifically uh, to make sure that they're balancing things correctly academically and, and athletically right now. The juniors and seniors, they've, they've been there, done that. They've, they've kind of figured things out at this point. So 
That's yeah. probably the biggest difference right now and the focus that we have to have more so off the field. So, Coach, uh, there, there have been rumors that I've been seen wearing this uh, RPI uh, visor here uh, that was sent over by Coach Icernia. Uh, I have not received my uh, rescinding of my uh, alumni status uh, yet from Union for doing so, Jeez. so at least there is that. But the reason uh, we did do that, and a lot of Union fans uh, have uh, kind of stood with us on this on Twitter and social media, is this interesting policy over at RPI. Now, I don't want you to be negative here, and I know you have your thoughts on it, but we're not going to go there. But let's talk about the flip side. Union College and President David Harris have sort of embraced fans back on campus with restrictions. It's, this is not willy-nilly, everybody go out and be dangerous uh, in this situation. He was on our show over a year ago when things started up. He's been very transparent about things, obviously. Tell us about how you feel Union has approached just the back-to-school approach this year and the back-to-athletics approach with the fans, etc. I think they've done a great job. You mentioned David Harris. I mean, he's a tremendous leader. Um, from the minute he stepped on campus and, and took the reins of the college. Uh, I, I think what he's done over the last 18 years, him and his, and his administration have been, uh, or 18 months, excuse me, have, have been uh, incredible. Um, yeah, you know, when things first happened back last March and April and May, a lot of us didn't know what was going on, right? And decisions were made that I felt were correct at the time. Uh, and still feel that they were correct at the time because obviously the safety and, and health and well-being of the students and the campus community is, is going to be first and foremost. In terms of moving into to this fall, um, I couldn't be any happier. You know, it's uh, for, 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 for our students, um, for our faculty, for our staff, for our, just our, our overall campus community. I mean, it's, we have in, I, I had a, this conversation with a sophomore student just the other day. And I think this will sum it up right now. He's like, it is so nice to be able to go to class and have a discussion in person with other students and your professor. Uh, it's such a different experience than what we had last year being being uh, remote the whole time. And then, you know, again, for us, the restrictions. So our guys have to wear masks when they go in the weight room. Like they didn't complain one time. It was like, okay, all right. That's what we have to do. That's what we'll do. Uh, so in terms of, of how they've uh, handled it. I mean, to me, you know, it, it's, it's been a normal operation here, um, which, uh, which I'm very, very thankful and grateful uh, to David Harris and his administration for that. I think, again, Athletic Director Jim McLaughlin's done a terrific job in terms of just uh, keeping us all, all, uh, all safe and, and moving forward to, to make it as normal as possible. So, um, and then to have the fans at the games, is tremendous. You know, it's uh, it's part of the experience, right? It's part of um, the college game day experience to have the students there, to have the families there. Uh, people have been through so much over the last eighteen months that um, I think uh, I think it's nice that that they can be there. JB has one more question, I think, for you before we let you go. I know you got an interview coming up with the Gazette uh, to talk with them in a few minutes. So, JB, go for it. <clears throat> this you know, this is what you know the the D three fans just really need to know about uh, from Coach Behrman. So you're heading to Buffalo, uh, often referred to as the birthplace of the chicken wing. You know the best chicken wings in the country. Although I'm sure there might be some pizza shops in Schenectady and other small towns in upstate New York that would like to maybe challenge that claim. So, Coach, after the game, is it ranch or blue cheese for you? 
Uh, I'll be honest with you, not a big chicken wing eater, uh, not a condiment guy either. So, uh, yeah, I, I've okay. uh, been that way all my life. I'm not going to lie to you, but I do know I there, why will be wings so good, at the, at the, there will be some wings at the parent tailgate. I had our, our head of our parent uh, tailgate that feeds our guys afterwards. She wanted to know the total number and uh, she wanted to make sure there's enough buffalo wings for, for everybody. So there you go. Uh, I'm awesome. sure there'll be plenty of blue, blue cheese and, and ranch there for them. I got, I got one last question for you as well, real quick here. Uh, in our uh, preseason show, in our cold open for that preseason show, I uh, told uh, Will Bellamy and Will Sermon that I noticed a couple extra gray hairs on you, and I asked them what player or players may be causing those gray hairs, and they answered, I think, uh, a combination of Colin Lama, Andre Ross, and Sermon threw Bellamy under the bus a little bit as well. Is there any accuracy to those statements uh, that they made? Bellamy for sure. Absolutely. I'm with him all the time, right? And hey, I ain't getting any younger. I, you know, that's for, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I have so much fun with this team. I love coaching this team. A great group of people. Uh, we have great families. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the challenges of being a coach, right, is just helping these guys grow, develop, and mature uh, through their time here. And uh, all those guys that they mentioned are, are great, great people and uh, have grown so much since being here. Has Lama stopped running around the track after the interception versus Springfield? Have you been able to pull him aside yet? I absolutely pulled him aside. Yes. Yeah, that was disgust. That was disgust. <laughs> that, you know what? That's style. Colin Lama. That's Colin Lama Not in a nutshell. Style. Okay. I, I know, but that's Colin in a nutshell. Let, let, let's not kid ourselves. That's the way he's been since day one he walked on that campus, and you're better H off with him than without him. Between the lines, yeah, he's, he's yep. as good as they come I mean, between the lines. Isn't, he, isn't that, isn't that kind of what you want? Isn't that kind of what you want, though, in, in the linebacker coach? They have to be a little bit, you know, not a little crazy, a little bit wild. You know, they, they have to have that kind of wild man mentality to, to, you know, to get out there and really get after it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you definitely got to live on the edge a little bit now, for sure. Yeah, you do. Coach, appreciate your uh, time this morning. A lot of fun to always talk with you and catching up. And, that was uh, a nice surprise. Yep, for JB to actually yeah. talk to you for once here. But uh, good luck against Buffalo State this weekend. Uh, I was out there. Great field uh, and great atmosphere generally, generally for football as you know, and so uh, enjoy the experience, but uh, I'm sure the enjoyment will be better if you move to another win uh, on your win-loss record after this one. So good luck against Buffalo State, and thanks again. Thank you both, guys. Keep up the great work. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Coach. Hey, JB, what'd you think of that? No wonder why he looks so good. He doesn't eat chicken wings. This guy's probably on one of those like Tom Brady diets and eats avocado ice cream and all that kind of stuff. No wonder why he looks like he's 23 or whatever. We left off on Region 2. Uh, you were going to skip over Hobart versus Ithaca and uh, go over to Salisbury versus Montclair. I'll ask you to pick up the pace a little bit for our viewers out there so we don't make this a two-hour okay. show. But here we go. Continue, sir. All right, start off of NJAC play, um, Montclair hosting Salisbury. That was a game that we had looked back on at the start of the season as a possible, you know, bellwether there. You know, Red Hawks uh, starting to turn things around. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, jumping down to Region 3, a bunch of good games here, especially Trinity, Texas versus Barry. Uh, we're going to predict that one in a little bit. Methodist, Huntington, a rematch of the USA South Conference Championship from the spring. Hendricks at center, another great game from the spring that's having part two this fall. Washington Lee, Hamden Sydney, and the ODAC. Over in Region 4, 
Wabash versus Denison and Trine versus Adrian are a couple of games that sort of stood out. Um, can Wartburg slow down this central offense that's averaging something crazy like 60 to 70 points per game? Uh, North Central and Wheaton, um, you know, back at it in CCIW action. And then out in Wisconsin, we have a couple of the, um, you know, Stout versus Whitewater, Lacrosse versus River Fall game. To me, honestly, Frank, I think the, the Lacrosse-River Fall game is the more interesting, even though it might be viewed as the undercard, because one of these two teams is going to challenge Whitewater um, most likely for that that conference championship other than, than Oshkosh, obviously. Um, and then, okay, Gustavus or Gustavus? Gustavus Adolphus. Easy for you to say. So this is a this is an opportunity in the MIAC to see you know who is going to be the runner up there. You know Bethel came up a little short against St. John's, but they're still a team that I could see you know getting in as a Pool C bid candidate if well, they can run the hold, table. Hold the, hold that thought because remember the MIAC has a uh, conference championship game. A championship. So oh, you yeah. fi- finish number two, you get a crack probably at St. John's. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's yeah. more than just Pool C. It's still actually a Pool A entry point possibility if you lose to st john's both bethel and gustavus adolphus could both lose this game could determine Mm -hmm. still who goes up against them a second time ultimately i'm not sure if gustavus adolphus is in st john's division i have to look at that i'm going to assume no only because of the way things are setting up but there may be a crossover we'd have to look at the schedule let's take a quick we'll take a quick peek here it appears like live um, shows yeah yeah well yeah I'll just call them GA. Uh, they uh, the they Gusties, are in the, the Gusties. Uh, the Gus, okay, the Gusties are in the same division as St. John's, and Beth. So, and Bethel is in the opposite division. So, I guess in a way, this is a um, crossover then, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. What, you know, again, uh, St. John's could beat Gustavus Adolphus, and has will have beaten both at that point. And he, the winner of this game could emerge as getting a second chance against. St. John's later on. That's interesting. Uh, last game, we've got down Lewis and Clark versus Whitworth. Whitworth, uh, I think, was off last week, if I remember correctly. So yep. it'll be interesting to see if they can continue their winning ways. They have a winning streak going on here, going back to the spring. Let's not uh, forget about that fact. And uh, they're looking pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, they really have, and it's. I think it's a combination of, uh, of of factors there. I mean, we you know we obviously met Ethan Peloquin, the the wide receiver. I think they're what's their quarterback's name? Frank. He's got. It's like uh, Jaden Pruitt. Jaden Pruitt, right? So I mean, yeah, they have uh, come off a bye. They've beaten a couple of Southern California, well, Northern and Southern California teams. They, they defeated Monk, uh, Claremont Mud Scripps back on the eighteenth. Um, 31 to 15, and Claremont just knocked off um, previously, you know, uh, ranked um, uh, <laughs> live TV. Chapman. Chapman, exactly. So anyway, they're they're a week away from their big matchup at Linfield on the ninth. So you know, you have to hope that they're not going to overlook Lewis and Clark, who's quietly um, gone one and one. They they beat up on Whittier. They've had a two week bye. Uh, which is kind of interesting. So they, they've been preparing for this one for a while. This could be a trap game for the Pirates if they're not careful. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't like those two-week buys, to be honest with you. I think it just gets you into that yeah. sedentary type of scenario that you don't ever want to be in in the middle of a football season. I, we saw some teams experience it during the spring, and it felt like they came out a little bit eh at that point uh, once they uh, kind of got back to football. So we'll see how that plays out. 
JB, uh, the scores are up there. Uh, you really went 12 and 0 last week. I mean, I, I watched our playback, and I was a little bit uh, shocked by that. It's pretty, it was just kind of, you know, random luck. I, I don't know. And, and uh, it was just one of those things where I think you, you meant with a little bit of the, you know, potential upset picks with, with Bethel and, and so on. But I don't know, man, it just sort of, that's sort of how it panned out. Um, I've got a little bit of a lead, but this weekend could change everything. I mean, there's a lot of games that are really hard to call. I'm going to make an executive decision. We threw in a 13th game this week, just so I could catch up with you, basically. Lucky uh, so, 13, okay. Yep, so uh, we'll uh, get that rolling in a second here. As, uh, it won't allow me to add that extra second. There we go. Or extra minute, rather. <laughs> extra second. That'd be, yeah. that'd be plenty of time to talk about it. A couple minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then we start with the music that's great and then frank basically puts up the next football game on there look at this, this is like a well-oiled machine until i realize we haven't started the clock yet but i haven't even named the game yet so it's norwich at coast guard in the new mac again uh we, these are all conference games that we're talking about now so we'll put the conference afterward jb i've talked for long enough go well, which Coast Guard team is going to show up? They have been a little hot and cold this season. You know, they win they win some close ones, and then they you know, they drop games to teams that you kind of makes you scratch your head. So, um, Norwich has that high powered offense. I don't know I think CC Grant and company will find a way to win at home, but it's going to be a um, kind of a, a, a battle. Maybe a special teams play turns it. I'll take uh, the Bears to hang on twenty one to seventeen. I'll take your uh, landscaping crew outside, actually. They, they, they always provide some excitement on, uh, on our show here. Uh, so I'm going to say in this one, Coast Guard uh, will win this game. Uh, Norwich uh, has uh, struggled a little bit, it feels like, at times uh, throughout this one. And I think Coast Guard, for a game that has a trophy or a mug in this case attached to it, I think they're going to play a uh, better game against them. So Coast Guard wins this game. Low scoring. Uh, check that. Uh, medium scoring. 24-17 in favor of Coast Guard. Salve Regina at Western New England. Uh, this is a big CCC battle. Let's not kid ourselves. They're kind of like the... Uh, Hobart Ithaca type scenario in Region 1 uh, conference startups here. Um, a lot of emotion right now, obviously, at Salve with the passing of Kevin Gilmartin's dad, Poppy, and uh, that's uh, going to I probably carry through into this game. Sometimes emotion can shoot you in the foot, and sometimes it can give you a shot in the arm. And in this case, I want to say they've been playing with a shot in the arm very well to support their coach. I'm going to say Salve wins this game on the road. It's going to be a tough game, though. 40-37, uh, Salve. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to pick the Seahawks, just given everything that they've been through. But And Western New England sitting at 2-2. Two and two, and But they have challenged themselves with games against Salisbury and Utica. And I think maybe that extra challenge might help them in this case. Uh They'll hang on. It's going to be a close call, but I think the Golden Bears are going to keep that streak alive, and they'll they'll hang on for a forty-one to thirty-eight win. We've gone two twenty with only two games, so we got to hurry up a little bit here, I guess. Uh, Susquehanna at your sinus Centennial Conference. Big game here because is your sinus for real? That's the question. Go. I think Susquehanna is a team that we should have been talking about for a few more weeks. They're gonna—they have a point that they want to prove. I think they're gonna win this one pretty, 
pretty big, 41 to 27. I'm going with uh, your sinus. I think uh, the Muhlenberg uh, situation wasn't a fluke. Their trajectory is generally better, uh, it looks like to me. So I'm going to stick with them and probably pay the price for it on my win-loss record again. But you know what? <laughs> Who cares at this point? i got to throw caution to the wind. Your sinus wins this game 31-20. Hobart at Ithaca. Uh, I get to start this, and probably fittingly so, so you don't have to go first on this. Um just think Ithaca with that Brockport win showed me that they are made of a lot of what we didn't expect coming into this season in terms of good QB play, good defense. I know it wasn't the greatest statistical game, but it's poised enough to beat a team like that that impresses me, okay? And I think when you look at schedule-wise, Ithaca has played a better schedule compared to Hobart in my view uh, because Fisher, we learned Hunter Walsh is out, and we'll talk about uh, them in a second here, but I'm going to pick Ithaca in this game at home. Uh, lower scoring, 21-14. And that's a pretty safe pick, Frank, because Hobart has never won a game at Butterfield Stadium. They are 0-16, and can they break the Butterfield curse? I don't know. If they're going to, they'll have to do it through the run game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that somehow through a combination of Sean Boswell and Tim Denham Jr. that they're able to run the ball and keep the keep it out of A.J. Wingfield's hands. And somehow, I think uh, on my blog, I think I said it was be like a 30-24 close one, but I'll, I'm going to go with the Statesman. I haven't been right since 2016, though, Frank, so this could be the kiss of death. <laughs> Rockport at St. John Fisher in an EH show down the Courage Bowl. Go for it. Uh, too much Brockport defense, I think, with Fisher being banged up. They'll run away with this one literally and figuratively, 31-13. to 13. Yeah, different team without Hunter Walsh, uh, but a great cause in this game. This game always plays out close because of uh, what surrounds it, so I'm going to say it's closer than that. 27-24 uh, in favor of Brockport with a late surge by St. John Fisher. Trinity, Texas at Barry in Region 3 in the SAA. I've got some uh, SAA action, uh, a lot to talk about here, actually. Um, I'm going to pick Barry here. This is a good game. This is a very good game for the SAA. Yeah. Don't underestimate this. Trinity had that streak that was broken, obviously, but they still have a really good overall upward trajectory. Barry, I think they learned a lot about themselves when they uh, lost to Wisconsin Whitewater and went down, what, 30-0 to zero at halftime in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give the uh, the small nudge here toward Barry and Coach K, uh, 28-24. Yeah, it's hard to tell what, what's going on with this Trinity, Texas team because they had that first game canceled. They haven't played in a couple of weeks. Um, well, I'm, I'll take the Tigers. I think you know they were picked first in the conference for a reason. We'll see. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh 31-28. Hendricks is center, another SAA matchup that's uh, probably pretty good on paper, at least. I, I wouldn't surprise me if center potentially wins the SAA the way they've been playing lights out. Their defense is great. Their offense is explosive, even in the you know the low-scoring games we saw last weekend. I like the Colonels. I think they're, they'll, they'll uh, survive another shootout, 49-35. Um, to 35. Ditto that, ditto that, and the score, I think center uh, wins the game. Uh, low scoring, lower scoring like the Trine game. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 24-14 in favor of center. 
Uh, Washington Lee at Hampton Sydney almost fit there, but uh, we'll make it fit now <laughs> in the O deck. And I'm going to say Hampton Sydney struggled to start the season, no doubt. Washington Lee coming off that high, uh, great angles of those last two plays on Twitter I saw last night, in fact, uh, from the uh, Randolph Macon game. I'm going to say Washington Lee can take it to Randolph-Macon, and seeing what Randolph-Macon did to uh, Hampton-Sydney in the spring, uh, here we go, the law of syllogisms, that never mm-hmm. works, and I should never do it. Guess what? I'm doing it. That's uh, what we do. WNL, <laughs> give it to them by a score of uh, 21-17. Yeah, it's kind of like what I'm thinking with the Hobart-Ithaca game. I think the, the – the rushing attack will be the difference maybe. So I will take the generals to run it up um, 31 to 27. Three and a half minutes left here. We're still in region three, but things change a little bit. Methodist at Huntingdon, go for it in the USA South. Yeah, I think I'll, t- I'll go with stick with the home team. Um, you know, that was a big win for them over Brevard. This gives them a chance to, to keep pushing towards that SA, uh, USA South title. I'll take the hometown Hawks to win this one, 27-14. Yeah, they played each other right in the spring for the championship, if I remember correctly, or the championship. Yeah. Uh, so uh, at home at Huntingdon, uh, I'm going to say they win this one. Uh, it, it seems like the scores have not been living up to expectations in the USA South, so I'm going to say 20-17 to 17, uh, in this one, Huntingdon wins. And in Region 4, I believe, right? The NCAC is Region 4. Wabash and yep. Denison uh, coming up. And uh, Little Giants always fight, right? Uh, so I'm going to say that they do so here and win this game. Some Wabash fans have been a little bit uh, critical of uh, the consideration of rankings and this and that and the other thing. Well, here's a chance to prove it, and I think they might here. It is going to be Wabash winning this 27 uh, 27- 26 close game yeah i mean denison's looked good they've won three in a row um the win over wittenberg last weekend was impressive and made me initially think I would, that would be my pick but i'm gonna go stick with the little giants also i think it's gonna be a close call but i'll take them wabash it is to win 27 to 24 i think it's gonna come down to a field goal 150 left region five Wartburg at central in the arc Central's just been impressing the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie to you here. Their numbers have uh, stacked up really well. And this is supposed to be yours to go yep. first, on. So uh, I'll let you go ahead and pick uh, yours first, and then you know who I'm going with. I, yeah, I mean, until somebody knocks Central off, they seem to be the team to beat in the ARC. They're putting up 84 points. I mean, I'll take them to win this one, uh, 42 to 21. Uh 49-30. I, I think it'll actually be an offensive showdown, but yeah, Central wins this game. Uh, UW-Dub. Uh, so, uh, again, won't fit. There we go, and there we go, and there we go, finally. All across the river falls. I gotta get that wider somehow. Uh, in the Wyack. I, I think lacrosse, they're ranked in my uh, rankings. I see no reason to say no to them winning this game, although it is on the road, per se. Uh, I'm going to go with lacrosse here by a final score of 31-20 over River Falls. Yeah, and I think I think lacrosse beat River Falls in 2019 as well. So, But I don't know. There, there's got to be at least some kind of an upset this weekend, right, Frank? So I'm, I'll go with the Falcons. So I'll just take a flyer and see what happens there. Um, home team, 
will hang on in a close one, let's say 35 to 28. 20 seconds, Gusty's Bethel. Uh, the Royals, I think, are still, I mean, they gave St. John's a good run for their money. I think they'll beat the Gusties, uh, say, 31 to 24. Gusties have a, pr- a point to prove here, and they're on the road against a team that I think is a little bit shell-shocked that they couldn't get the ball back at the end of that fourth quarter last week. Sometimes you get that hangover, you can't get past it, and I, I think it's going to be long enough in that game that Gusties can get an edge and keep the edge in this one. The Gusties win this game. 31-27, holding off Bethel at the end. That's it. Did we really get through all we 13 games in just about the 11 minutes that we had uh, set aside? That's incredible. We uh, finally kicked it in. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, JB, uh, if you were a fan here and you had to watch two or three games this week on the web streams whatnot, what games would you say – Top billing, you only have one or two screens maximum to watch, so you can maybe watch simultaneously. What would you say to them watch? Well, I mean, everyone, of course, is going to say because I went there that I'm biased towards the Hobart-Ithaca game, you know, but two top 25 teams playing uh, a potential history-making game if somehow the Statesman can break this curse of not being able to win in Ithaca, um, you know, is obviously one of them. Um you know, I think the Salve um, Western New England game, it's another one of those things where can the, you know, the content, the up and coming contender knock off the longtime reigning champion um, should be really great. And then, um, then I think maybe a uh, Trinity Berry game in the evening, that's going to be a great nightcap. Um, we've seen since, you know, last spring, some of these SAA games, especially the night games are outstanding back and forth, close calls. So those would probably be my my top three, um, you know, with perhaps the Susquehanna, your sinus game is one to keep an eye on just because I feel like we, meaning, you know, people who follow Division Three, haven't really been paying enough attention to Susquehanna. I think, you know, they um, had won a lot of games in, in 2019. They had a point to prove and they got left off the table in the pool C bid situation. And then they took it out on a, on a Mac team dropping 84 points on them um, in the postseason bowl. They have, I think they've won like 12 or 13 games in a row. I, I think the river Hawks are going to make a run at the CC. So this is one of those awkward moments where I don't have an email uh, that I was hoping we get by this morning um, to uh, help explain what I'm going to be doing this weekend in terms of coverage. The original plan, just yeah. to be honest here, was Hobart at Ithaca and then the Courage Bowl, uh, Brockport St. John Fisher. And I'd like that to remain the case. Uh, but uh, we were told uh, lately yesterday and haven't gotten a response since uh, I'm required to stay behind some yellow line, which I'm not sure if that's the spectator roping that we're used to or what this yellow line is and how it affects our normal uh, coverage and also that the players can go directly into the locker room after the game so I'm not sure if that means I don't get a chance to do post-game interviews uh, with the winning team ultimately so uh, we're going to try to work that out today if that is not going to happen we're going to seek credentials uh, from Western New England for the Salve Western New England game, and then uh, UMass Dartmouth at WestCon as a double dip. So we're going to have a double dip somewhere in this uh, whole scheme of things. But it's a question of where, and unfortunately, because of some lack of communication here over the last uh, 24 hours or so, uh, we can't tell you exactly where I'm going to be. It would be disappointing if Ithaca didn't allow us to do what we normally do 
We've done everything we can to support the Ithaca broadcasts over the years. Jake Asman and uh, Matthias Wheelman and uh, Ben Carlton. I was on their show uh, the last uh, couple days there on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, Second Floor mm-hmm. Sports. We've done everything we can to promote them and prop them up. And so one would hope that Ithaca would say, yeah, there's no problem with you being on the sideline and do what you normally would do with your Twitter video so you have the right angles and everything like that. Uh, it's yeah. not about being a prima donna. It's about doing the right coverage and being in a fan grouping is not that at Ithaca, especially after what happened a couple of years ago. I know that firsthand. So let's hope that it's, there are lines that they just installed maybe an extra foot back and away from the uh, player's box and stuff like that. I don't know. And we'll, we'll have to find out over the next uh, few hours here what it is. We'll tweet it out and uh, get uh, that information out to you. Although I jokingly said to you last night, and I'll share it with everybody, the restrictions sound worse than RPI's restrictions when I was at their facility. How would that even be possible ultimately? But uh, RPI's athletics department did know that you let us do what we need to do. We're going to be smart. We're not going to get anybody sick. Uh, in the uh, process of it, or not try to at least, uh, and uh, hopefully Ithaca got the same memo at some point that you know media does their job or they have their job to do, and we also don't want to get ill ourselves. Let's face it. Here. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. I'm vaccinated, so I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I I think this week is going to be a defining week for D3 with all conferences mm-hmm. basically entering conference play. Uh, I, yep. I can't name one that I didn't see it happening in. So this is where it starts. This is where Pool A starts for everybody. Some have played a couple of games already in conference play. We get it. But this is it. This The entire country <clears throat> now is in the same sink of Pool A. You know, it doesn't matter what happened in the out-of-conference schedule. You and your conference, Everyone you're going to the playoffs. Out, yeah. Yep, that's yeah. it. And we're yeah, about we've gotten, to see you later. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of questions from different fans over the last few days, like, you know, with four undefeated teams in the Liberty League, um, you know, being in either in the poll or whatever. You know, who do you ultimately have coming out on top? You know, you've said it. I think we both said we don't really know. Um, Hobart Ithaca is going to sort of set the table uh, for that and start kind of stack ranking teams. Um you know, we, we address the question around, like, who do we see as an early at-large bid coming from either Region 1 or 2? Um, our friend Jason Bowen threw out, who's who's the better conference at the moment, the Centennial or the Liberty League? D3 oh. football had the Centennial at number six. Liberty League was number seven. I mean, I guess maybe the top of Centennial might be stronger, possibly, but the Liberty League's out-of-conference record is much better. So go figure. I think that's kind yeah. of a push, and then and I th- I think uh, as you're saying or suggesting, I think you go a little bit deeper in the Liberty League, though. You know, Hopkins, Muhlenberg, and uh, Susquehanna and Ursinus uh, at this point are gonna you know object to that, and so I think I might give the slight yeah. edge to the Centennial as Greg did in D3Football.com. There uh, also. Uh, we uh, got one from uh, Antoine Cuff uh, as of today, uh, very early. Do you see an at-large bid coming from Region 1 and or Region 2? We've been talking about that a little bit on the show. I think Region 2 has been the answer uh, we've been leaning yep. toward with the Liberty League, but they could beat each other up pretty badly on the way to that. So the other thing that could happen is Montclair could beat uh, Salisbury and you know go on to have a good win-loss record, Montclair, despite the bad start they had. And Salisbury would be an actual candidate for it as well. 
uh, in there. And look, Centennial, because they have so few out-of-conference games, it's tough for them to justify Pool C bid to Centennial Conference because the numbers don't make it easy on the committee to pick a Centennial Conference Pool C team. But if Muhlenberg runs the table and your sinus does the same going down the line here, yeah, that could happen as well. But Region mm-hmm. 2 generally looks like the better grouping right now with all those scenarios. The only team I can name in Region 1, or only teams, two teams actually, are a widener Val loser and yep. possibly the loser of uh, any Salve game if it's Salve because Salve losing a game, running the table the rest of the way would be 9-1. and one. They could yeah. get in if their stats prove to be good, although subjectively people might diss their schedule. I don't know how you do that with Rowan and Montclair on that schedule. Yeah, NJAC has not helped yeah. their cause with the numbers, but it is what it is at this point. And finally, a 48-team uh, playoff? No, I would not like to see that. If we're going to do anything, let's add a mandatory conference championship game for conferences that want automatic bids. Let's start making them play to eliminate themselves early and do it that way so that we integrate it into the regular season somehow. Uh, the NEFC used to have one. The MIAC's got one now. Uh, we, we, we saw five in the spring season. Yep. It was great. Um, and I think the second half of that question, you know, pads in spring practice. I mean, we know what we would like to see and what coaches would like to see. Unfortunately, the NCAA just still does not like that for Division Three, um, and I think they may have accommodated a little bit, but they're going back to sort of the old ways. Um, that's just not going to be an argument that that most D three football coaches are going to win. Unfortunately, I like the idea of spring practice and pads, I mean, even if it's just you know helmets and, and shoulder pads type shells kind of thing. But I doubt the NCAA is going to. Like, well, I think they did. Go. I think actually they did expand to that. Well, they did like four or five. I mean, it's it's not going to be yeah, as, it's as not much be universal. as universal. Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to be as spring. much as it should. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It was it wasn't the twenty twenty one spring by any stretch of the imagination. Gary Barrett with those last two questions. Appreciate that. And Patriots ten fifteen with the uh, Liberty League question. We didn't uh, name that on Twitter. Uh, so thank you for uh, catching that. We almost uh, left without answering those questions. Appreciate the questions. Keep them coming to us on Twitter. Uh, you know our coverage throughout the weekend is mainly on Twitter. I'll have uh, post-game interviews uh, usually the morning after uh, the games that I cover, but we'll have uh, in-game coverage uh, on Twitter from my handle and uh, retweeted by JB on the D3FB Huddle channel. Had over 26,000 video views, maybe more, uh, from the UMHB game against Harden-Simmons. Wow. and. Uh, you know, schools, if you're watching coaches, start thinking about your Gilardi Trophy candidates, okay? We were actually uh, pinging one coach yesterday saying, hey, we, we think yeah. you got a good candidate there, and it's a school that's not used to nominating for Gilardi Trophy. And so yeah. if you're a coach and your school hasn't done it, reach out to us. We'll help connect you with what you need to know and make sure that we get a great you know, across the country pool of Glardy Trophy finalists, the J Club. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll uh, add them uh, to a retweet here, uh, a quote retweet, so they know that we're trying to uh, promote this as well. Make sure to get your best players, especially those that are great in the classroom. It's still off the field, still matters a little bit. It's less than it used to in the equation, mm-hmm. but get your players nominated, juniors and seniors, both or. Juniors, seniors, and super seniors. To this point, I guess you should yeah. say. So 
uh, we could have a really healthy pool. Let's do it. Let's let's get a hundred players nominated, uh, a hundred deserving players, so and get them recognized across the country. That's it, JB. I will talk to you throughout the weekend, folks. We'll see you throughout the weekend on social media, and enjoy week five. Lots of great coverage coming up.